Do you love to read but struggle to see print? Bookshare is a nonprofit ebook library that makes reading easier for people with low vision or blindness. Members can read in ways that work for them with ebooks in audio, large print, and digital braille. Get unlimited access to over 1 million titles, including New York Times bestsellers, periodicals, upskilling books, and more. Bookshare is free for New York Public Library patrons or U.S. students with a qualifying disability. For more information, visit bookshare.org today. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Thank you, Brian. And welcome, everyone, to Tuesday Topics, an- another another sort of cliff faller offer sort of a show tonight. We're going to uh, to try to finish what we started last week because, believe it or not, there were actually some folks who hung out with us for two hours and wanted to say something about the two topics that we were doing last week and didn't get an opportunity to do that. Uh, later in the show, uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, perhaps the mystery thing that we'll talk about tonight. We'll also talk about the next two um, Tuesday topics before the end of the show. One of them, I think, may be a little controversial. But I still think it'll be fun. You and um, controversial? Never. 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 So I thought it would be fun to do a Tuesday topics asking the question, in terms of long-term relationships, which is better to date with two blind people or with blind folks and sighted folks? I think that may create some interesting discussion. So look forward to that. It will probably happen on April 12th. No, April 19th, excuse me. April 12th is already spoken for, and we'll talk about that later. So to bring folks up to date who are new to the topic, last week we ended up talking. Are are you looking for some advice on dating, Paul? Is that the deal? Yeah, I need it. I, 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 I am so young now that I figured that I'd have to learn sooner or later if I'm if if I'm going to uh, be able to get into a relationship that would that would enable me to handle it well. <laughs> okay, okay. But, but, I but I have pretty strong opinions on that subject. So. Um, so when when we get to when we get to that day, I shall have to restrain myself, I suspect, or or not, or not. <laughs> but I mean, why not? <laughs> but last week we we talked about two topics, and and both of them actually evinced some pretty interesting opinions from um, from all sides. One of those topics had to do uh, with. Um, individuals um, in in our society um, who are are in. I'm going to sneeze. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen. <coughs> Excuse me. So, so one of our topics had to do with uh, individuals uh, in our society who are blind who are moving. Um, what? Uh, what were the special circumstances that operated for blind folks when they were moving? Is it harder for a blind person to move? Is it more difficult for them to give up 
a place they've lived in for a long time um, and move to a new place? And what were the tips that folks could offer when um, people were moving? So that was that was one of our two topics. And uh, the other topic that we that we talked about a little bit is who was more likely to do a good job of adjusting a person who was born blind or a person who was blind later in life. And uh, that we got a good deal of discussion on that topic as well. But the objective of the first part of the show tonight is to give those folks who called in last week to talk about these topics and who had opinions that they didn't get an opportunity to express a chance to be heard. Tuesday topics, as as I think everyone knows, uh, is interested in everybody's opinion and and really treasures input from almost anybody. So, in the next thirty seconds or one minute, we're gonna see whether we've got some hands raised, and hopefully, uh, we'll we'll be able to hear from some folks on either of these two topics that we started to talk about last week. Uh, and see whether we can add a little bit to that discussion. And of course, everyone can check our podcast out uh, to see what last week's show was like so you can get uh, more detailed input from the several people who actually provided some really valuable input to us last week. So I think we've allowed folks enough time if anybody's here, which is always a question. Um, we got we got ten people and there's no hands, Paul. No hands. Ah, oh, so nobody yeah. nobody up, wishes. Up. See, that's all you got to do to say to get hands is yep. say no hands. And Sue Ellen raises her, her hand. Sue Ellen, hello. Tell us where you're from, Sue Ellen. I don't I don't know if I know you, but I don't okay. recognize your name. Sorry about that. Took me a second to find the mute button. Mm-hmm. Um, I am in Louisville, Kentucky at present, and I say that because I have moved a lot. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome, Sue Ellen. Thank you very much for joining us. What do you think about moving? Is it tough? It can be an adventure. Um, I have moved. Um, I've lived in four, five different states. Um, for and I've moved for various reasons. Um, the first one was the hardest because that was when I left Massachusetts to go to New Mexico because I just didn't feel I was getting the services in Massachusetts that I needed. I was running into one brick wall after another trying to find a job and just there were just a variety of I, I just didn't feel like I had a lot going there so I decided to change it up and, and did you do better in New Mexico Miss Sue Allen? oh yes I did I had a job within a month it wasn't the job I wanted it was it was the job until I could get and it was a job until I could get the job got it but it was hard because I had to move away from my family 3,000 miles. So there was mm -hmm. really no lifelines, as it were. 
New Mexico is a strange state to have moved to from Massachusetts. You know, Massachusetts has this reputation of having pretty good services for blind folks. And and I'm immensely pleased and excited that you actually found things better in New Mexico. At that time in the eighty in the late eighties, I didn't feel like it was better. Um nice. Um but when I got to New Mexico, they had blind counselors that worked at the Commission for the Blind. They actually they had a counselor yep. in charge of deafblind uh, uh, consumers, which I'm hard mm-hmm. of hearing and blind. So nice. this was wonderful for me. Well, you that's know, I had one. mobility within two weeks of arriving. Wow. But one thing I've done in every move... Um, is I've reached out and, and I'll accept one move because I only because I didn't know anyone there, but I've reached out in that community to other blind people so that I knew at least one person. And they could and they could essentially tell you what the lay of the land was. So what Absol- what are the sp- special transportation things? Are there chapters of organizations around? Yes, um, exactly. Are, are there other blind people who can be helpful? Yep, I get that. Um, and um, what other states have you moved to, Miss um, Zellin? When I left, uh, when I left um, Albuquerque, I moved to mm-hmm. Cleveland, Ohio. Nice. That was a relationship-based move, and I can tell you one thing. Love may conquer a lot, but it does not conquer dislike of snow and cold. <laughs> I bet that's right. But the Cleveland Site Center was awesome, especially with the social recreational programs they had. Um, I found my way to there fairly quick and got involved in their crafters, their lunch bunch, their book clubs, all sorts of things. How cool is that? I, I actually like Cleveland. I've got a I, I've got a few friends there and um, visit there. And, and my former wife was from Toledo. And so she was active in ACB of Ohio. So I, I, I quite like Cleveland. I've, I've actually been to a Cleveland, oops, Guardians game, almost said Indians. Um, oh, I still think, <laughs> I still have to think on that one. <laughs> and, um, and, and really in, enjoyed seeing the, the, the new Cleveland Stadium while I was there. So that was fun. Right next, oh, to the yeah. rock, right next to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's correct. That's oh, correct. yeah. And I did not go there, though. I'm sorry I didn't now. Um, it, was, it, was, it was pretty cool. It was kind of awe-inspiring to see all those guitars from all those famous rock yeah. stars. Yeah. So what about, what about the idea of folks um, who are born blind and folks who go blind later in life and how easily they adjust? What do you think, Miss Sue Ellen? I'm not sure. I have been blind to one degree or another since birth. Mm-hmm. And some aspects are harder because the whole trying to learn a new area, um, trying to learn the new, to get down the new routes to find mm-hmm. out where things are and then work out in your head what the routes would be like. Generally, the first service I ask for when I get to a new place from rehab is mobility. Nice. Yep, I agree with that. Um, I, I just moved to Jacksonville from Miami, and I really haven't done much mobility. I'm lucky because I, 
I live in an apartment building where it's pretty easy um, to to get to a place where you can pick up Uber, and, and so I've learned that route. Um, and oh, yeah. So, so that's good. Miss Sue Ellen, thank you very much for your call. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad I could join in. I heard the topic, and I got to come to this. <laughs> ah, excellent. Thank you very much, and uh, best to everyone in Louisville. Mr. Rick, anybody else? Yes, uh, Eugene. Hey, Eugene. Hey, how are you doing? How are you, sir? I'm all right. This is Eugene from Clearwater, Florida. I and, know you, Mr. Eugene. Uh, yes, how are you? you? Do. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I, I lost my vision uh, when I was like 58. So I, the house that I lived in, I lived in it for like four years before I started losing my vision. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got to know my way around the house, know where everything's at. And I just made it to where everything stays where it's at. Uh, uh-huh. It's got its place and it stays in its place. But I, I think a lot of it has to do with the mindset of the individual. Um, you know, uh, you can go to different places and learn different things. Um, but, you know, you just got to put your mind to it. You know. Now, did you spend some time at the lighthouse after you started losing your vision, Eugene? I spent a little bit at the lighthouse of Pinellas, which mm-hmm. they're they're uh, you know outpatient type deal. You go there for mm-hmm. you know four or five hours a day, maybe mm-hmm. a couple of days a week, um, and uh, you know a lot of the stuff they taught was you know interesting. Uh, you know, I basically kind of knew I was organized as it was from being in the military for so many years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my biggest thing is mobility. Uh, we've got pretty good transportation here. It's just once you get into places, uh, yep. figuring out your way around. Um, well, I just and, had an experience yesterday. Mm-hmm. I went somewhere, and I, the uh, drivers lead me to the door. He walked me right into a cactus bush. Ouch. Uh, yeah. That can happen. Yeah. Uh, but but Eugene is, uh, is, is interesting because he has, even though he's a relatively new um, visually impaired person, he has actually become um, president of the local ACB chapter, and and I know has has always come to um, FCB meetings and conventions, and um, and done very well for himself. Thank you very much. So we're we're very proud to have you, Mr. Gene. Well, I'm glad to be a part of the American Council of Blind and the Florida Council of Blind. I'm finishing up my sixth year as president of the local council, so I'll be moving on to something else. Oh, my goodness. I don't, I don't know what the local council will do without you, Gene, at least as president, because for the longest while you've been there. It's excellent. Um, they're, talking, you- they're talking about making me vice president. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> what do you think? Um, what do you think about this adjustment process? You you went blind later in life. Do you feel that that you had a basis? At, you talked about the organization you got from the military and other stuff. Do you think you had a basis for adjusting to blindness that you might not have had if you were born that way? Uh, well, I didn't have all the schooling and everything. You know, like I don't mm-hmm. know how to read Braille. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something, to, you know, I would have learned if I had been blind from birth, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more things I probably would have. I probably would have had a guide dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, uh, I'm not, I don't really want to get a guide dog because I don't think I'd be using it to, to its full extent. Yep. And to me, that would be taking it away from somebody else that needs it. 
Yeah, I think there's some truth in that. Uh, one of these programs will talk about that. And maybe have some guide dog schools come on and talk about what they think of a person in your situation. But that's a that's a good point. Now, you moved into the house you're in before you went visually impaired. So you haven't experienced a move since you lost vision, right? Yeah, I moved in with my mom when her husband passed away. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah, so... I got the layout of the house and know where mm-hmm. everything's at. And, you know, like I said, it's, everything has its place and everything needs to be in its place. Yep. Yep. Excellent. Gene, thank you so much for your call. All right. Thank you. Excellent. Mr. Rick? That's it. Right now, that's, Paul. That's it. All right. <clears throat> so I don't know what the, what the, what the final verdicts of on on either of our topics last week because we heard um, lots of discussion on both sides. Uh, I think I think there was general consensus, and 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 Rick and Larry, who are who are my cohorts in crime here, are welcome to chime in if they want to. But I think there's general consensus that moving for blind people is uh, uh, a pain in the whatever, and that it's not easy. Um, and that it's getting harder, not easier, um, because of the amount of stuff that now has to be done online. I think there's also a sense in terms of moving uh, that um, that it really is important uh, to, to try to arrange for assistance in advance rather than trying to do it piecemeal. And I, I think there were lots of tips that came up in terms of in terms of moving um that were really helpful um i think that the most important of them was uh was i think to to try to plan it all out in advance and if you can this is the one that that i thought was the coolest try to arrange to have access to both places where where you're going to be at the same time if you can if you're just moving in the same area because that 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 will allow you to take things more slowly and to get things more organized when you're actually doing the move. Um, so, uh, well, we is have, there? We, yeah, yep. we have an, we have another caller if you'd like to take it. Area code. I five, can. Area code five zero five. Hello. Hello. Oh, Hello. Yes, this is Beth from New Mexico. Hey, so, Beth. I too have moved a lot of places. And uh, we we did live in Florida, me and my old man, and then um, we moved back here to New Mexico to Albuquerque. But then we, my mother's cousin got sick, so we moved to this little town over here. Now he can see, but he doesn't drive, and he doesn't read that much English either. Huh? And uh, so they 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 helped us move down here, but. Um, I think the guy had another agenda for husband because oh, when uh, when he died, when she died, um, I don't know. I don't know what his problem was. You know, he's like, well, I don't want you guys here and stuff. And he didn't give us time to find an apartment. And I don't know. He he was just really weird. And uh, and essentially threw you guys out. Boy, that must have been tough. And. And well, and no, is there... well, yeah, I guess he called the cops and told them he didn't want he didn't want uh, my old man there. That's what the problem was. And uh-huh. I'm like, well, too bad. 
wherever he's going to go, I'm going to go, you know, and, and, and uh, yep. yeah. And somehow I've heard that that happens a lot with, like, say, blind women that that meet, say, guys on chat lines, and then they ask mm-hmm. them to move to another state or something like that, and and then they have problems, you know? And uh, I think that would be a problem. <coughs> I kind of think that was terrible. Uh, all of our stuff was stolen. Uh, I think this guy broke into our storage. Well, somebody did. And uh, the only thing, person that would have anything to gain by him, by it would be his brothers and, uh, and him, you know. And, uh, and so I think, and then um, to top it off, uh, this little town, Elma Gordo, doesn't, I thought that was interesting. This is the first place. Now, I knew this little town because I went to school here, okay, so I didn't need mobility right. over here. Right. Um, I went to school here in high school mm-hmm. uh, because I went to Catholic school and in other right. schools, most of my... Uh, most of my grade school years in elementary and junior high and all that. Anyway, right. um, so, yeah, I knew the town well. I didn't need mobility, but um, when we wanted to move, say, back to Albuquerque so we could probably get a more centrally located uh, place because mm-hmm. what happened with this this little town, I guess, I guess the um, apparently in 1999, the uh, when the Germans came, this is a little military town, and when the Germans came over here to Holloman Air Force Base, the um, apparently they were paying more for housing than our government was paying. Wow, you guys! Anyway, a lot of people decided to rent their homes to them. They bought mobile homes. I thought that was the craziest thing. Now their contract ran out in 2019. Most of them have left. There's a lot of vacant homes sitting, but nobody will rent them out because they think they're going to get that kind of money again. And and another thing, so, you know, apartments or houses are going for high, high people, uh, money that people on... Even to to people on social security or people that are working and getting, you know, can't really afford them. You know what I mean? And uh, but these landlords would rather have them sitting there vacant than they would renting them. I th- I think that's the craziest thing. It's scary, isn't it? How high the rents are are going, Miss Beth. So did you guys get to move back to Albuquerque, or you're still working on it? No, nope. We still have it. The rents are high in Albuquerque now, and they uh, sure are. And another thing I was going to say is this little town we found out. See, this guy moved us down here, my mom's cousin's husband. Okay, but he was also visually impaired. He got his brothers to help him. And nice. I go into all these details because Alamogordo does not do small moves. Mm-hmm. In other wow. words, yeah, like, so... If you rent a U-Haul, you have to find your own driver. And sometimes the driver will 
want to move you, and sometimes you won't, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I could rent plenty of U-Hauls, but finding the driver is, is something else. But the well, and the they rent it to you if you didn't have a license either, Beth. So it'll be in, it would be interesting to see. I I've never tried renting one just by myself, but I'm I know when I've tried to rent cars, they've said that because I because I don't have a license, they won't rent a car. So it's interesting. Oh wow. Yeah. So we'll have and, to um, see. And that's what that's what I found out interesting was uh, Yep. Even though it would be in, in my name, you know, and we'd find a driver, mm-hmm. the driver would have to <laughs> Yep. Well, I, but it would be interesting, and uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, interesting that you it said is. that piecemeal, uh, piecemeal would be <laughs> for a lot of stuff you have to do online now. A lot of yep. people who can't use computers or don't have one, mine uh-huh. was stolen in the storage when they broke into. Oh this. dear. And. And so our library's computer has been uh, down or broken for two years. They said, well, the one for visually impaired people, has it's broke, you know, pre-COVID, around COVID. So I'm like, oh, dear. Well, let's hope they fix it soon. And, uh, Ms. Beth, thank you so much for your call. And, uh, okay, I was going to say, I... I I've been blind since birth, but I I think I've adjusted pretty well. Well, you sound like you have, Miss Beth, and thank you so much for telling us. Take care. Oh, we'll okay. talk soon. <laughs> you too. Thank you. Yep. Bye. <laughs> Mr. Rick, anybody else? Yeah, Melody, please. Yep. Hello. Here's a here's a. I'm sorry, it took me a second. Hi there. I'm sorry, I got in around seven sixteen. I was cleaning the kitchen. What topic tonight is of discussion currently? I didn't hear. I didn't get in the start. Well, you'll you'll get a chance to talk in a little while of some more, Melanie. But we what we're doing to start with is giving some people who were hanging out at the end of the line last week an opportunity to finish up the topics because we had quite a queue waiting. But we're we're gonna do two or three topics in very in a very short period of time, um, and in fact, we could really start now because because I think we the the one we've carried over sort of went off like a wet firecracker. So we we had we had some some good input tonight, but I think but I think I probably won't carry it over next time. So the. The two topics we had talked about last week as, as, as being kind of extra topics last week, we're going to try and talk a little bit about. So did you have any Easter traditions that you grew up with as a, as a kid, Ms. Melanie? Um, in the, the abandoned high school that we lived in, my mm-hmm. parents and my aunt and cousin, who's five years younger, who's now a registered nurse, they would, mm-hmm. we would, they would hide individual eggs just wherever and the, the building i mean trying to find it with no vision at six seven eight you know it was it was a a feat and she was two three four and she could spot them you know from 10 feet away and she would help me she loved to help me and we would put the eggs after we emptied the candy in the baskets in a little plastic mm-hmm. um 
wheelbarrow that we pulled around with us and we go hide and make nice <laughs> nice and so well, did you use real eggs that were colored or did you use candied eggs we had those plastic eggs and we put candy in them but we did have a, oh nice uh, yep we would color eggs and we had an easter egg hunt one year for the neighborhood because they thought that we were just the cats meow and talk of the town because we lived in that old cavernous historic school building and they had real eggs that they would color and put numbers on and plastic eggs and because the two of us were in two different age groups they'd kind of do the favor and have us in the same age group i remember that back then feeling bad because i don't particularly care for favors and exceptions done for me unless others can benefit too and right i just you know it was only the one year that i have memory and that building was eventually modernized it was nice and old and even in the 90s i could appreciate that age and i went back probably over a decade later with a friend I had known from childhood, we reconnected mm-hmm. and I was 19 by then and graduated and pinball machines had been put in carpeted. Oh my place. goodness. I just, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> it passed through several owners. So. Oh, I don't blame you. So what about, what about food? Did you guys do ham at Easter or, or what else? Nowadays, my mom will do ham, asparagus with hollandaise sauce, deviled nice. eggs. Nice. Um, I have no idea this year. The last few years, I was so focused on doing for others. And this year, she's very disconnected from me. So it's, I don't know what we're going to be doing. <laughs> well, geez, I was, I was going to come to your house, Miss Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I get uh, the food delivered, it may happen. <laughs> <laughs> any other, um, any other um, Easter traditions you can think about? At some of the... Um, mental health type clubhouse models where i was Mm -hmm. probably the only you know um they would have egg easter egg hunts and afterwards we would if we wanted the eggs we could keep them if we didn't we'd give them back and we would actually fill them before you know we were adults and i would have Mm -hmm. two three four people at the same time wanting to help me find them and they would just go get them for me put them in the bag and just say here you know let us help you and it kind of brought them back so with COVID now, I, I've not been back in 11 years or so, so I don't know right. what they're doing with that. So. Right. That's excellent. What about April Fool's Day? Have you ever have you ever played an April Fool's joke on somebody, Melanie? Not that I can remember. I had one played on me by a TVI who said yeah. she couldn't open a door, and she was pulling at it, and then I opened it, and it was just fine. I was like, really? You, you just wasted my time. April Fool's is kind of a bittersweet um, day for me because the lady that we were both 25 and she was living in one of those apartments I'm going to have to move into, independent living, she had passed the same bacterial pneumonia that I would later survive. And she was in college taking practicums and we were both 25. And I think the loneliness had a lot to do with it. We had had margaritas the last time. So, you know, to survive that in the COVID and think of her. My mom really thought that I was going to go because she was in the ICU as well, and I was 34. So it was April 1st of 2011. So it's just, that was not an April Fool's joke at all. And it, just to hear about that, it was at first I thought, okay, is somebody messing with me? So, yeah. yeah. Yep. Melanie, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. Thank you. Excellent. Mr. Rick. Uh, no more at the moment, Paul. Oh. So we have sort of gone on, ladies and gentlemen, to two other topics, and I hope that some of you will raise your hands and tell us a little bit about these. What are what are the Easter traditions that have operated in your family? Um, what are the services like? 
if you don't celebrate Easter, do you celebrate something on solstice at, for spring, perhaps? Um, or uh, what about Jewish Passover? Could you tell us a little bit about what goes on with that so that we have a clearer idea of, of how folks who are blind have participated in some of those things? Uh, at the Seder, did you have opportunities to do some of the readings? I know uh, I was invited to a Seder about, oh, I guess, gosh, time flies. It must have been 30 years ago now, maybe even a little longer than that, and was asked um, to, um, to to read a portion of the Seder. So I, I brailed it out phonetically, but I have no idea how badly I managed to to butcher the Hebrew, but I suspect I did a pretty good job of making it incomprehensible. Um, but but it was exciting to participate and to and and to learn another whole set of traditions um, that happen around the time of Easter. So we're hoping to hear more about that. The other thing, uh, and, and the one of the reasons that I, that I talked about the April Fool's stuff is there there were some blind organizations way back at the beginning, and I'm not sure if anybody who's listening to this will remember them. There was a there was an outfit called Raise.Computing that was run by a guy called David Holliday. And um, David used to manage to do an April Fool's joke almost every year. <clears throat> and virtually every one of his April Fool's jokes um, managed to catch me because he was so clever with them. He would usually relate to some kind of technology and he would make it almost credible so that you would actually believe that someone truly had invented uh, a speech synthesizer that, that was indistinguishable from a human voice and had passed all of the tests to be regarded as fully human. And um, David would talk about the fact that there'd been this revolutionary change as well in the way that these um, technologies were stored so that instead of costing $1,000 or $1,100 as JAWS did, it was available for $49.95 from your nearest department store. And that should have given it away, but it didn't. So. Um, Rick, Larry, have you guys been involved in April Fool's jokes? Not. I don't think I ever pulled one on anybody. I've had a few pulled on me. I, I was never yep. really excited about them. Not really, because I kind of had a feeling that they might be coming. Yes. But none of them were really vengeful, which is really good. Right. It is good. Yeah, but it is I, good. it's not a favorite of mine, not really. Nope. Mr. Rick, any any April Fool's jokes? Or that yeah, you've well, I, I, yeah. I know there's been a bunch. I don't remember any of them. Um, yep. So, I mean, you know, one of the cool things I used to do down here, you know, in, in the Boston area, and I think it was April Fool's, they would, um, the guys over at MIT would put some, um, some contraption on top of buildings that would happen overnight. Nobody would see them do it. And my favorite one one year was this huge beanie 
you know, with a propeller <laughs> on the top. Yep. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and no, nobody knew when they did it, how they did it. You know, it's kind of like uh, the crop circles, you know. Um, it, you know, but in this case, it was the Bean and Bean Town. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the the bean the beanie and Bean Town. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, you, you talk about Easter traditions. I know you're really talking about uh, tradition traditions. But as a kid, my my uh, uh, and God, I remember this like it was yesterday. My grandparents um, used to always get these huge, like twenty five pound solid chocolate bunnies. Oh my goodness! Twenty-five pounds. Yeah, I mean they, they, they were wow. massive, and um, and you know they'd have a white one and a milk chocolate one, and oh man, they were to die for. So, I uh, I can't imagine what I would do with a twenty-five pound chocolate bar. How about you, Larry? No, oh, well, no, especially not now. I would go into a <laughs> diabetic coma if I did that now. Now, I remember I remember going to parties as a kid and, and going crazy over things like olives. I remember counting up to like 80 or 90 olives that I ate at once, but <laughs> oh, <geez>. 25 pounds <clears throat> chocolate bar, that's pretty scary. I, when, when I do he, remember we've pulled a, a, an April Fool's joke on the listeners to the radio show that we did after it had been on about 10 years. In about 1990, we said... Uh-huh. Welcome to Same Time, Same Station, where tonight, this is the last of the old-time radio shows. They're not going to be on anymore. We're going all sports. And we played sports shows for the next two hours. Got lots of calls of people complaining. In fact, it even it even extended into people calling the station saying, What kind of crap is this? Why are you guys getting rid of the old radio? What, John? Some of them were, well, all of them were very unhappy. John's on the phone. Yep. It just happened to call when, nice. when we were doing this. Yeah, but it was it, yep. it was kind of fun. I don't think I'd do it anymore because we ticked off a lot of people. Oh, I think it would have been fun. <laughs> we should have come I, back I, the next week and played sports. That would that would have been terrible. Yeah. That, then you really would have come. That's true. So that's the, true. At the end of the two hours, did you say April Fool's? John, did we do it? Did we say it was April Fool's at the end of the two hours? Do you remember? I think we did. We did, because yeah. you, you can't let that hang over as a cliffhanger, no. But a lot of people didn't hear that part of it. You know, sort of like War of the Worlds, they never heard that it was a dramatization. So we yep. had a lot of unhappy people, and I told them it was John's fault. I didn't want to do it. Oh. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Yeah, the War of the Worlds was a was an interesting phenomenon. Well, of course, it wasn't April; it was Halloween. No, it was Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that 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 was amazing. Um, how how that all evolved. Um, and nobody got, nobody ever got injured. Nobody got hurt. You know, from no, no one was killed. There were some people hurt running from the Martians. Yep. Norman yeah, Corwin. Oh, sorry. We've go got ahead. some hand. No, it's okay, guys. We've got some hands. Nice. All right. Let's so, take one. Yeah, Pam Coffee, please. Hey, Pam. Hello. Hi. Yes. Um, you know, I love this. I love these topics. Um, Easter. Okay. Um, 
from the time I was old enough to remember, we always went to church on Easter. And we don't we didn't just go to church on Easter. That was a regular Sunday thing. But um, my mother would frequently make me <clears throat> an Easter dress. Yep. And there would we would get new shoes to go with it, dressy, fancy mm-hmm. shoes. And um, we did that. Uh, sometimes my parents would hide Easter eggs. But more often, I would receive a, a little basket on Easter morning that either had, it usually had a couple of hard-boiled eggs as well as some of the um, candy eggs or the chocolate that looked like a, it was in the shape of a chicken or the shape of a bunny or, or yep. whatever. So um, mm-hmm. I did that. and. I was then and still am in the choir. And so frequently um, there would be a big uh, choral program around either Mm -hmm. own or around Easter. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were a few times that we visited grandparents that weekend because school was out. And we, um, things were a little different then, but we would, the, the big thing was we would still, we would go to church. We didn't have a traditional meal. Uh, we would just eat whatever was available. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for April Fools, um, I was never really one, never have been really one into pulling April Fools jokes. And mm-hmm. there have been years that on April 1st, I wasn't even thinking about what day it was. And uh, just this past April 1st, I g- received an email that I think may have been an April Fool's joke. No- nothing was said about it, and mm-hmm. I haven't heard any follow-up, but it was from a um, an internet radio service that I listen to a lot um Mm -hmm. and the email we got that day had to do with a subscription you know you could subscribe and get these nice fragrant candles that would go along with um whatever station you were listening Mm -hmm. to and i just have a sneaky feeling that may have been an april fool's joke but I didn't subscribe because I prefer to just buy a candle occasionally at the grocery store or the drug store or the gift shop or whatever, a fragrant candle. Um, so I'm not really one into doing April Fool's jokes. Very good. So, Miss Pam, and, and, did I you hate, just- and I hated to miss last Tuesday because, oh, goodness, moving and um adjusting you know i think the adjusting depends on the person some people adjust very well to either situation born blind or 
going blind later in life. Mm -hmm. Others just struggle their whole lifetime. And Mm -hmm. moving, it's a pain in the anatomy. It is. Uh, Especially if you're blind, because if you don't drive, you, you know, most people can jump in the car and they'll carry a carload of little items from place one to place two. Yep. Um, of course, I couldn't do that. And then you have to learn your way around. And that, uh, that, that that's not always easy. Because not everyone wants to bother with giving you directions um, as to where where the I live in an apartment, so it's a dumpster. Where the dumpster is, and you know they'll tell, oh, it's over by that tree, or it's over by that uh, red. Um, <laughs> or, or, or better still, it's right over there, ma'am. Yeah, right <laughs> over. There. Yeah, they'll point at it. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, right. So <laughs> you know, it's moving is just a a real pain in the anatomy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, Miss Pam. It can be that for- way for anyone, but it's really hard if you. Yep. I think if you're blind, I think it is. Thank you very yeah. much for your call. And I think you were starting to ask me another question. Um, yeah, well, I was I was going to ask you if um, if you if you just went to to church on Easter Sunday or whether you went to church on Good Friday or or on Easter Saturday oh, or yeah any other Typically times. On- on good front on uh, Monday Thursday yeah uh, we we have a service on Monday Thursday and there again uh, the choir usually sings the church mm-hmm. where I belong now we the choir sings during that service uh, we have a service on Good Friday which is um, kind of a brief service and usually around noon and then of course easter sunday and for a while we had a also had a sunrise service on easter and sometimes i went to that uh but we're not doing that now it's probably a good thing it's pretty early oh it is early and (laughs) oh if it's outside you freeze to death i bet that's right (laughs) Miss Pam, thank you so much for your call. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mr. Rick? Yes, Kate, please. Hey, Kate. Hi, can you hear me? Uh, We can. Okay, hi. Hey, uh, well, I'm adventitiously blind, and um, but I didn't grow up in the United States. I didn't, uh, as my father being a wildcatter, we traveled. Just like you, Paul, and um, I'm actually really more interested in how your family celebrated because not only were you overseas, but you also you also were um, uh, visually impaired. I mean, for us, uh, me growing up, first of all, the, the food is just not available. You know, you live in a Muslim country, you're not going to get ham. Okay. Not easily. <laughs> you're, you're just not going to eat ham mm-hmm. and then if you do the cook won't cook the ham or have mm-hmm. it in their kitchen uh, you know they won't you know and and then the, and then and then the abba won't wash the dishes because he doesn't mm-hmm. want to touch touch it so um 
you're not going to get chocolate in the jungle or in the tropics because anytime you unwrap any kind of a bar, it looks, it's been melted and breathed so many times. So, you know, here you are, your parents are trying to uh, have a, a traditional Easter. And first of all, the society's not celebrating. I'll tell you my experience just just because it'll show my question to you, Paul, is how did your parents do it? Is it okay? So with, uh, you know, living overseas where there's, you know, no, no bunnies on anybody, no happy Easter, Easter's not being celebrated anywhere because they don't even speak the language. Right. So uh, wake up one morning and my parents are downstairs um, being served by the, you know, servants mm-hmm. having giving them breakfast and my parents go oh there's uh something under your beds because it's easter <laughs> we were like there you what? go what's easter exactly <laughs> so, so so add to that paul you got parents not only are they overseas but your parents are gonna go say hey paul go find eggs seriously <laughs> oh yeah they used to do that but but my my parents were um were for the most by the time i got overseas my my father and mother had gotten divorced and gone mm-hmm. through a couple of stepfathers by then as well so well that's when, even better <laughs> yeah so when we moved to jamaica um there was there there were there were a lot of easter traditions there it it was really only when I moved to Trinidad, which I did um, when I was twenty or twenty one. No, man, I was in Trinidad for two years. No, nice. So when I moved to Trinidad, um, there the the cultures, as you know, having been there, are much broader. So you not only have you not only have Muslims who are who are a fairly substantial portion of the population, but you also have Hindus. So there are all kinds of uh, of of different holidays which get celebrated in Trinidad, like Eid al Fitur, for uh, for and, and you've got the for, voodoo that caught, you've got voodoo you've got well that <laughs> that wasn't so much in in Trinidad, uh, more Ooh, in Haiti, yeah. and um, and oh. then and then of course um, Ramadan for for yeah. um, Muslims. So yeah. It, it was so. How did your parents cope, Paul? I I know how mine did. I'm interested in you. You're a, you're going to be. You, you <laughs> haven't shared, man. You, you're just pushing it off to all these other people. But you got. <laughs> I am. To say. Well, as I say, by the time by the time I got overseas, I only had one parent left, and she she was um, she was primarily concerned with whether or not she could get. She, uh, it was okay for her to start drinking as early as eight or nine in the morning. So, uh, she, <laughs> we used to, we used to not love holidays because holidays were, were worse than other days because she was generally drinking a lot more. So, uh, we, we, we tried to, we tried to hide whenever holidays were happening. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is that just so? Oh my gosh. How funny. But oh, in Trinidad, yeah. but in Trinidad, you know, I, I think, I think being being able to participate in so many different traditions um, really broadened my understanding and my acceptance of of different religions because 
you know, both, both Muslims and Hindus have, has such different notions, especially the Hindus, such different notions of what, uh, of what God's for. And um, so, mm-hmm. so I really enjoyed some of that. And, um, mm-hmm. and of course, the nice thing was going, going, going to work as I was for the most part then, because I, I did, um, I did a, a, a one-year master's degree in Trinidad, but then I was, was out working. And the nice thing is that, that there were a lot more holidays in Trinidad than anywhere else because you had to give <laughs> Easter and Christmas and Eid al-Fitur and Ramadan and on and on and on and on. So that was all very cool. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, I, I, I think my favorite was when I lived in Saudi, Saudi Arabia. I lived in Bahrain for uh-huh. uh, two years. And we got Friday because that's the Muslim holy right. day. And then we got Sunday. So school yep. was, you know, we didn't have school on Friday and Sunday. So that, that caused the whole concept of a weekend and never really. <laughs> yep, didn't exist. Did not Oops. exist. Yep. Excellent. Kate, thank you so much for calling in. It's, it's a pleasure to have you as part of our program. Thank you. Uh-huh. And Nikki, please. Nikki, oh, another new person. Hi. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. And I, I wanted to mention that I have to leave at 5 o'clock because I have a French class online. So, But um, this is about... Merci. Merci. <laughs> Um, this is about, um, April Fool. Yep. Um, when, when I was, before I retired, we had, um, there were a bunch of us working together. We were importing books in China. It was a family business and we had this big backyard and one of the ladies decided she was going to pull a prank on one of the other ones. And you guys all know what piñatas are. Yep. Okay. Well, you hit them with whatever you can find, usually a bat or a big stick. So what happened was I knew and everybody else knew that that Cecilia was going to put raw eggs in the piñata. But Nancy did not know. Nancy did not know. However, Cecilia did make sure that she had a raincoat on and rain pants and boots and a hat. (laughs) But the funny thing was. That when Nancy started hitting the piñata, Cecilia forgot all about it, and she was right up there next to her, so excited. <laughs> and she's the one who got all the eggs all over her. <laughs> and everybody else had backed up, but it was very, very funny. And uh, and but Nancy didn't have a spot of egg on her, and Cecilia had to go home and change her clothes. <laughs> but it was very funny. It was very funny. We well, that's excellent. Fun. That's excellent. Thank you very much for sharing that. Any any Easter stuff that you want to share with us? Well, yeah, we used to, I was born and raised in Chicago and came out here in 1963 when I was 18. But um, we had, we had uh, my parents had a lot of friends who were single or elderly or whatever. And we always ended up having people at our house that didn't have any, who didn't have any other place to go. Nice. Um, and sometimes we would go to church because my parents, my dad, my dad's father and grandfather, my great grandfather, my grandfather were both Presbyterian missionaries. They were ministers. Nice. And my dad was going to be a minister until he was 17. And then he changed his mind. But um, I was not raised with a lot of religion, although I did join a church. Uh, we joined a Methodist church in Chicago, which was all black so mm-hmm. that it could be considered an integrated church. And and uh, so that they could join the Rock River Conference, and this was when I was 13 in 1958. 
And I had so many questions that I drove the Sunday school teacher crazy. And Uh. so she took me out of the class and she sent me downstairs to help count the money with the treasurer. And I was disappointed because I was learning things that I'd never known before, but I just couldn't understand you know, how, how God's little finger could fit into my schoolyard, which is what my friends had told me. And, and I also knew that some of my friends, um, they would go to, they would, they would go to confession and they confess whatever they did, but then they'd go ahead and they'd do whatever they want. Wanted. So <laughs> it took me a long time to learn really what religion was all about. And I realized, and my dad realized that we're both very spiritual rather than religious because we both have the ability to feel um, the sense of people after they've gone. Um, and, and so in a sense, we had a really long discussion about it one day. And, and he said, well, you know, if you, cause I always felt, I always believed in mother nature. And he said, well, you know, if you want to call it God or mother nature, whatever you want to call, call it, mm-hmm. but there is some force out there that keeps us going and that, you know, governs everything. So that's kind of where I am. But I've always enjoyed going to church when I've done it, but I don't go regularly. Um, so I have, I have my own relationship with God or with Jesus. And I did become a born-again Christian mm-hmm. um, in spite of my ex-husband. Nice. <laughs> he was a fire and brimstone minister. But at any rate, um, I, I don't necessarily follow that trade because they're the at least the people that I knew, if, if they talked to you and they tried to save you and you weren't interested, then you're on their SHIT list. And that's not right. what I consider religion. Although he was very kind to people, but once he preached to them and they didn't accept God, then mm-hmm. they were, you know, they were of no use to him. Well, that marriage didn't last too long. But at any rate, um, <laughs> I'm always open to new ideas and to new things going on. But the main thing that I remember were, having people over, sometimes going to church in the morning, always getting a new Easter outfit and new shoes. Nice. Um, yep. But basically the camaraderie that we had with the friends and the family. Mm-hmm. Also people, we didn't have much money, but my parents always shared. And we knew that there were other people who didn't have the money to buy a turkey and things like that. And so they would invite some of their rich friends who would bring hams and turkeys. And, and we, you know, we'd all have kind of a potluck so that everybody was able to join in and bring a little bit of something and feel that they were contributing. So they were always very successful. And I continued that as I got older, Thanksgiving and things like that, bringing all the single people in. And I remember one time we had 50 people at my house, but at any rate, so wow. those are wonderful memories of different holidays and stuff. So thank you very much for letting me thank- Sure, and thank you for sharing, and thanks for being here. Welcome. Thank you. I'll be back, but I'm going to have to go now because I have to be there at 5 o'clock. Take care. So, thank you so Au much. Au revoir. Bientôt, j'espère. A bientôt. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yep. Deborah Kendrick. Miss Deborah. <laughs> Hello. Uh, hi. Hi. Yeah. So, um, I could tell all kinds of Easter and Seder stories, but I, I actually raised my hand to tell you a funny little uh, April Fool story. So um, back in the early 80s, when I was first establishing myself as a freelance writer, I got a pretty good relationship going with the Enquirer, Cincinnati Enquirer Sunday Magazine. 
This is back in the day when newspapers were huge and the Sunday paper weighed about five pounds and it had this pull-out slick magazine in the center, which was really a big deal. And it was really cool to get us to write features for that thing. So I, I, I did anything that the editor, then Betsa Marsh, asked me to do. Well, Betsa loved April Fool's. She was young and wild and crazy and beautiful. And she um, was one of the organizers of the April Fool's Day Parade in Cincinnati which, you know, it's not my cup of tea. I never went. I don't know. But a lot of people did and they dressed up and they were all goofy. And she wanted me to write a feature where I would um, contact various Cincinnati well-known people and ask them the question, what would what April Fool's prank would you love to play? And honestly, it was so long ago, I don't remember who I talked to or what they said, except for one. And that one was my closing, my punchline to the article. Um, Because many of you may not know that Jerry Springer had a life before he was the host of a nationally outrageous uh, television program. But he, he was a very different person in Cincinnati. He was mayor of Cincinnati. He was a a liberal commentator on the largest radio station in Cincinnati. And he first got some sort of scandalous press when I assume people outside Cincinnati know this. It was found that he, he wrote a check to a prostitute. And so and that check was revealed. And of course, that was big news and everything. So. I was calling all these people and Jerry Springer was so wildly popular at the time on the radio, you know, doing these uh, commentaries and stuff that, of course, I wanted to call him, add him to my people. And so I, I, I asked him, what April Fool's prank would you love to, um, to, to do? And without missing a beat, he said, I think I've already done it, don't you? So- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, so that was my story, and 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 it was really fun because it was on the cover of the magazine, and it was you know got got a lot of attention. So um, yeah, so that's my April Fools' thing. But personally, for me, April Fools, it's fun to do with children, really little children, just to ask them silly little things, you know, or yep, yep, you know, there's a frog in your pocket or whatever, but. I just never really got into it. Um, but, um, and I, I did on the, on the Seder front, I was very deeply involved in a big Catholic group, um, also in the early 80s. And uh, one of our organizers got the idea that real um, ecumenical activity, you know, Catholics and Jews and everybody. Mm-hmm. Else, everybody else would be for us to do a seder and so we did and and when you referred to it paul i was thinking maybe you meant you had it in hebrew ours was all in english oh i did have it in hebrew wow that's because i wouldn't have a clue how to read that ours was in english and i did braille the whole thing and was you know one of the one of the participants and then much more recently maybe five six seven years ago I've a couple of times been invited to participate in Seder's 
with um, with bona fide Jewish people who really right. understand what they're doing. <laughs> so, I, I found um, participating in seders to be to to be uh, to be really interesting because there there are a bunch of traditions that are involved in Passover that are so different from those that we operate with in 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 the Christian faith. A lot of the Old Testament stuff um, we've completely ignored almost, and the the New Testament has become the boilerplate for a lot of what we do. It's certainly in the in in the Catholic and Anglican churches or Episcopalian, I guess, as they are here. Um, yeah, it's story based, you know. Yes, there's and the the and Christianity has a lot of story too, but I think in a lot of churches we lose that we lose the some of the tradition and the history. And yes, with the seder and other Jewish traditions, just really, really keep a solid grasp on the history and the story so it's it's i found it really um an enriching experience yeah i did too and 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 a lot of the uh, uh, it you know going to a mosque on friday and and uh reading the quran is also has also been very intriguing to me oh wow yeah um, you know i i i i feel like uh, islam has really gotten um, a bad break in terms of the way that, in terms of the way that it's regarded um, by, uh, especially folks in this country, because it probably, uh, as as a religion, is kinder to people who are disadvantaged than any other religion is. Yeah, that you should think about that for a program someday to have blind people who are in their faiths talking. Yep. Accessibility and the braille yep. and, and all that sort of thing. But I want to say one more thing because yes. I'll be myself if I don't. Two birthdays have been in my mind this last week. Last week was Gail Krause's 70th birthday. Last week. Yep. And April 1st, more important than it being April Fool's, has always in my mind been the birthday of my first and most beloved teacher. Catherine Brown. And um, anyway, so I just had to say that probably other people have things like that that rattle around in their brains too. And uh, that that's what April Fools really generates in my mind. So anyway. Yeah. Thank you very much, Miss Deborah. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Mr. Rick. Uh, nobody else at the moment, Paul. Oh, gosh. I hope. Hope we'll have some more people come in with traditions. Um, I think Debbie has a good idea. I think it might be interesting to do uh, a program comparing um, faiths and traditions uh, across the board. Because um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that that we are as ecumenical in in ACB as we could be. Um, you know, and I I, I think um, though it's though it's probably. It, well, I would say it. I think I think the way that, uh, for oh, instance, black churches celebrate Easter. Hello, <laughs> that was Merrill. Hey, Merrill. Well, what I was saying, and I'll then I'll certainly recognize Merrill after that. What I was saying was, 
um, I, I think that the way that holidays are celebrated in um, in black churches, where where which I've attended a lot, are very different from the way that holidays are celebrated um, in in more state and traditional um, churches. Even even if those churches are in in terms of Christianity, fairly similar in terms of their beliefs, the the whole approach to to celebrating holidays it seems to me is much more intense um, in black churches. And and I think that it would be cool to hear more about what some of those traditions are. Miss Merrill Schechter, can you yes. hear us? Hi. Uh, yes. Hi. Um, yes, Paul and. Um and Larry and um, Rick, I wanted to say that uh, I celebrate Passover. I'm Jewish. And however, I haven't been to a Seder in a long time because the synagogue um, that I wanted to belong to, it's very big. And I really don't want to belong to a synagogue that where I don't know, uh, you know, I'll get lost in the um, cracks. Um, but I do buy things for Passover, like matzah, um, gefilte fish, which is a mixture of white fish and pike, um, macaroons. Um, and when I was younger with my parents, um, we used to have satyrs and it was wonderful because we had um, uh, wine and the 10 drops that are spilled are for each drop was the 10, one of the 10 plagues um, that the Jews had to suffer. And um, the masa is the unleavened bread when the Jews escaped from Egypt and they didn't have time for the bread to rise. Um, and then there's moror, which is the bitter herb that's like horseradish. And then there's chorosif, which is apple, nuts, honey, cinnamon, and wine. And that's the mortar that the uh, Jews who were slaves used to um, build things, you know, uh, it's like bricks. And um, so it's very symbolic. And I support Lynn Corral because she has the Jewish hour um, and she alternates from Sundays to Mondays. And, you know, it's wonderful because that's the only space we have for um, ACB in the community. But um, I just want to thank you for letting me share. Oh, that's that's excellent. Um, so when when you were doing the seders when you were younger, did you mm -hmm. get to do some of the readings? Yes, um, I had a ha nice. Haggadah, which is the telling of the story of Passover, mm -hmm. and uh, it was in English and Hebrew, and I was able to follow the Hebrew. Some was in Hebrew Braille, but a lot of it was like transliteration, which means that the contractions are right. Yeah, so. It, it was fantastic, and so I was able to read um, and participate, and I, I love that. Mm -hmm. And did you get did you get some some books from places like Jewish Braille Services yes, and that kind of thing? I, yes, when nice. I, I went to Sunday school, and I got books from the Jewish Braille Institute, and I still to this day get the Jewish Braille Review, which is the magazine um, from the uh, JBI, also. Excellent. I have never, I have never seen that. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, you should read it because you know when my fiance Rick was alive, he had subscribed to it because of me, and nice. he loved it. Yeah, so I think I would. Good. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Meryl, and we'll talk yeah. soon. Yes. All right. 
Deanna, please. Ah. Hi, Paul. Hi. Um, well, this is a silly thing. Um, my family, of course, my my uncle called us assimilated um, <laughs> traditionalists because a lot of what we did was based in Native American um, philosophy and the way of life that's particular to us. But um, we did do Easter and all of that, and but it was. Just, I guess, more because everybody else was doing it. <laughs> but um, one of the silly stories I have is um, when my little sister loved Peeps, those marshmallow pins and bunnies and stuff that are usually yep. pastel colors and covered with sugar. Yep. Um, and my brother decided to show us how to uh, turn a Peep into a s'more by <laughs> putting it in the microwave. <laughs> and the, the thing that happened was, as the peep heated through, it started to swell, and it got really <laughs> big, and then it sort of leaned over, and he says, now it's all soft and gushy, and you can put it on a cracker with, <laughs> with chocolate and make a s'more without having a campfire. So, that's your Easter tip for the day. <laughs> It worked. Yeah, well, my brother is a little bit, um, <laughs> he's an original. Let's put it that way. Um, mm -hmm. As a young man, he trained as a silversmith, and um, the woman he worked for had her silversmiths behind glass, and people could watch them work with mm -hmm. their torches and make silver and stuff. And, and um, he was taking a break, so he got up to go get something to eat. And this woman stopped him as he walked out the door. There he is with his long black hair, and he's 6'2", and mm -hmm. slender and tall, and looks like he should be standing outside of a cigar store. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, he's walking out. The lady looks at him and says, do you have papers? And he knew perfectly well what she meant. Did he have um, tribal uh, documents? Right. Yep. to show that he was actually really Native American mm -hmm. and not maybe an Italian or a Mexican kid posing as, a, as an Indian. And he looked at her and he said, yes, they used to keep them all over the floor, but I'm getting a lot neater, so they picked him up now. <laughs> he, was, he was awful that way. He was always doing wacky things. Um, he had some tourists run into the shop um, that he later owned uh, because it started to rain. And they, you know, came in and he uh, greeted them and, you know, asked if they were interested in anything, but they were just taking shelter from the rain. And, and one of the women said, well, you're an Indian. Can't you make it stop? And he said, I could. But if I do it, you have to promise that you won't take any pictures and you won't tell anyone. So he walked to the doorway of his shop and he stood there and he looked at the sky and he said, rain, rain, go away. Come again some and other day. Other day. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, uh, there was a bus driver that, that pulled up um, with a load of tourists and he came mm -hmm. into the shop and offered to um always stop at that shop if my brother would pay him something and my brother yeah. said you know no no thanks 
And yep. so the guy parked across the street where there was a big silversmith shop, which bought their stuff from mm-hmm. the Middle East and all China. over. Yep. Was it, it wasn't authentic. Yep. And so he uh, had a, a some touristy stuff, you know, for the mm-hmm. kids, like little boat section sectioned arrows with bows and things mm-hmm. and so he took them and he went out and stuck them on the guy's bus windshield <laughs> 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 the guy comes back and all these he sees is these little circles on his windshield and he gets out <laughs> to look at it and of course he's got half a dozen arrows you know stuck on his windshield <laughs> i think i think your brother is very cool I yeah that's well, exciting is a character, but he he really is somebody that you have to to understand that it's all in humor. It doesn't really, you know, it's not meant in cruelty. Like right. um, an older woman he knew very well ran into his shop and said, "I just came from the doctor, and he says I have the body of a twenty-two year old." And my brother looked at her, and she's about seventy-five. Right. He says, well, "Rosie." I think you better give it back because you're getting it all wrinkled. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, there's a little bit of Native American <laughs> humor for you tonight. Excellent. So Deanna, I have one question for you. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of Native Americans, I, I know this to be the case in Canada, and I'm assuming it is in, in this country as well, um, have adapted um, Christian liturgy um, so as to contain more Native American elements, uh, do your tribes do that? Um, to some extent. I mean, we were highly missionized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Force oh, I'm sure mission. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, children <laughs> yep. taken away and sent to yep. Indian schools and all yep. of that. And anything that we did was considered. What my uncle meant by saying we are assimilated traditionalists, an example would be his funeral. Mm-hmm. Um we have a f- four day prior to the funeral. It's, it's I guess it's the closest would be like an Irish wake mm-hmm. where food is prepared. The coffin is brought in um, through the Eastern door mm-hmm. and it's taken out of the building through the Western door. Right. And um, people come and um, there's a purification, smudging, and um, people come and, and lay small gifts in the coffin. Um, and for my mother and I, because we were his closest relatives, um, we came forward and, and cut our braids with our pocket, with our belt knives, right. and laid our braids in the coffin because that's the time when the Ojibwa cut their hair is when they're in mourning. Yep. And, yep. Uh, so we do some things that are different, um, but um, we serve strawberries oftentimes because the Ojibwa called the strawberry um, the heartberry because of its shape. And mm-hmm. they say that the wild strawberry grows along the path the spirit takes when it goes on to the next world. And so um, eating strawberries. Um, at a, a um, at this wake is is part of the custom of, of you know, uh, and we did things like braided his hair and my mother and I did 
and mm -hmm. um, put on his moccasins because he was starting the journey. And then people say things to, to him. And I talked mm -hmm. about all the gifts he had given me with throughout my life. Um, he was an artist and he was, um, I remember Hobbit when I was a little girl, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and he was a big part of my life. And so I told him that these are the things you gave me. You gave me, you know, beauty and confidence. And you taught me to stand, you know, strong. And so when I said, so I have learned what you had to teach me and you may go. Because one of the things we believe is that the spirit has a hard time leaving, especially if the death is sudden and he was killed in an automobile accident. And they feel like they haven't done enough or that they've left things undone. So um, you give them permission to go. Yep. Um, this, has been, this has been really exciting, Ms. Deanna. Thank you so much for sharing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think, um, I, 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 I don't think we, we often pay as much attention to, to ceremonies like that because so often um, Native Americans get get caricatured in in films, in instead of talking about their real traditions. And so, oh it's, yeah, I mean the whole my whole life, you know, people still don't understand. Um, and you know, um, I've had friends shot at when they were fishing because they had fishing rights, and they went yep. on somebody's private property yep. in their boat. You know, um, because they don't understand treaties, and um, this is just a news story about the governor of Oklahoma standing up and saying that that law and order has has been seriously damaged by the McGirt um, McGirty um, signing at the Supreme Court, um, and it had to do with well, if you have a and one of those Indian cards. Our law enforcement can't arrest you, which is t totally not true. Of course, it isn't. Um, but he's trying to rouse up the the white fear in Oklahoma and get himself mm -hmm. reelected. And of course, the bizarre thing is the man um, is a Cherokee, but he's got so much white blood in him that his children are blue eyed blondes. Right, but and he's a, and he's essentially used his Cherokee blood when he can, but then ignored it when he feels like it. Yeah, because he yep. can pass as a white man. Yeah. And uh, so, needless to say, he's going to lose a lot of Indian votes in Oklahoma. That's a good thing. <laughs> that is a good thing. Yeah, he's playing on the on the, the white sphere. And I think that's one of the biggest things that keeps people apart is if you're not like me, you're scary, and yep. it's the way people treat us as visually impaired people, and it's the way they treat us if our skins aren't. Um, there's a suspicion of the other. And yes, I, I think that's probably absolutely correct, and 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 I think one of the things we need to recognize is there really isn't any fundamental difference between other as a person with a disability and other as a person with a different colored skin or a different culture. Um, no, so, there isn't. Yep. And the, 
I mean, we can, we can all, um, we don't, we're not mules. If we, if we have a child with a, someone of another race, yep. it's a perfectly viable human being. We can, it is. we can have a transfusion from that, from people with different colors. We can, you know, and if we, we're all going to be needed. Our gifts are going to be needed if we're going to right. turn our current um, situation around and make the world a livable place. Yep, everybody's gifts are needed, and if and if we end up fighting each other instead of being able to learn to live together, it will be very sad for our civilization. I think it. I think we're looking for another dark ages coming. I think we could well be. Miss Tiana, thank you so much for your call. And thanks for sharing so much. It's really been helpful. Have a good night. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Love you too, Paul. Mr. Rick. Area code 608, please. This is Peter. Hey, Peter. <clears throat> In Wisconsin. Um, I, uh, I, I, I did uh, a number of April Fool's jokes for um, uh, several years um, that one of the things as a pastor, I think that, that people in congregations take themselves way too seriously. Mm -hmm. And um, so um, one year uh, I had, uh, I reported that the uh, fire marshal had come and inspected the church and had discovered that the fabric on the pew cushions was highly flammable and had to be um, destroyed and gotten rid of that. All the pew cushions had to go. Yep. And that, this is, this is a church that had, you know, the old wooden oak pews. And after years and years, they had decided that their bottoms were too sensitive for, for oak pews. So, um, and, and I said, so that the church council had gotten together and they weren't really sure how, what was an equitable way of uh, replacing the, the pew cushions with new fire retardant cushions. And that they had finally decided that um, people would be assessed on the width of their butt print. <laughs> and that not wanting to embarrass any one person that there would be voting booths right outside of the sanctuary um, marked men and women. <clears throat> That's where the bathrooms were. Right. And, uh, and that if you would just sit on the stool provided that it would, uh, it would give you an assessment of the width of your butt print and then please press the lever, but not to press the lever twice because that would mean you'd get a double assessment. And uh, <laughs> that uh, people, people read this, and uh, first of all, um, that they, they called the fire marshal to find out what the heck he was talking about, <laughs> and people were calling all over the place, and, uh, and, and that it was not until one of the women in the congregation that they were so angry that I would... Um, that I would print such a, a thing and that she finally figured out it was an April, April Fool's joke. But that, um, it, you know, we really do take ourselves way too seriously. And I think that uh, April Fool's is a uh, wonderful opportunity for us to uh, uh, be able to point, uh, point at ourselves and laugh. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think it's probably as as important or as widely practiced as it used to be. What do you think, Peter? 
think it is? Oh, I think that's true. Um, yeah. But I, I grew up in Kenosha, and mm-hmm. uh, and the the uh, editor of the newspaper thought that April Fools was was an amazing thing, and yep. so uh, one one year he reported that that a um, um, a, a uh, an emergency in the air uh, during the they were trying to reload or trying to create an air base uh, just outside of Kenosha called Bong Air Base. Right. And uh, and so he said that there was a fighter <clears throat> fighter jet that uh, had a crisis and landed in Columbus Park in Kenosha, um, and that all all people were safe. But that I mean, and people from all over town ran to see, drove over to see this jet that was in Columbus Park. Columbus Park was smaller than the jet would have been itself. So, um, uh, I got I got hooked on it then, and um, and just waited for the opportunity that I had some really rather elaborate uh, April Fool's jokes that I did for I don't know five years I think, and that. Um, and finally, people were anticipating the April Fool's joke, and then so I stopped doing it. And that was the April Fool's joke for the sixth year. So, um, excellent. So, Peter, what about what about Easter? As a pastor, did, did you guys have any special traditions within your church that are a little bit different from the norm? Um, no, but while I while I was in seminary, there was a group of us that went to a um, um, a, a uh, monastery, and uh, and experienced uh, um, a very traditional Easter vigil, mm-hmm. and um, it's um, I that I've I have and for people who don't know what a vigil is, a vigil is the time of waiting um, and watching at the tomb until you can make the Easter proclamation um, that Christ is risen, and that. Um, when you go to a monastic community and you do the the uh, historic service that begins with uh, building the fire in the courtyard um, where Peter uh, denies uh, Jesus yep. and then carrying that flame from the fire into the sanctuary and uh, lighting the candles and uh, it's it's a powerful powerful thing that um, I, I think is overlooked. Um, you know, it is it, it's not cognitive. It's really emotional. And um, one of the because, uh, uh, one of the strongest experiences I had in my life was actually doing an Easter vigil. Um, it was a it was a Catholic one in Trinidad. But it was a it, it was a kind of a it was the Catholic Church that served the the university. So the priest was relatively young, and the 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 vigil was uh, was done for the most part um, very solemnly, but done with only guitars and drums. So there were no traditional musical instruments, and, and it was just amazing to. Um, to experience the waiting and to experience um, some of the thoughts, because one of the things I did during the vigil was to read uh, a lot of accounts of other vigils and, and a lot of accounts of people um, who uh, who preceded the, the the rising of Christ and and who operated um, 
kind of waiting for it to happen. And of course, there's a much broader sense, which is one of the reasons why it, it's it's such a powerful thing, the vigil, because the rising of Christ is really an affirmation for the whole world that uh, that that there is that 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 hope has been renewed. Yep. 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 So pretty amazing and, and, stuff. And what, and what I love about uh, about it is that you know the readings are supposed to be done in dark. <clears throat> yes. Or at least a number of them are, mm-hmm. and that as as a blind person. Uh, to be able to read in Braille without any lights on in the sanctuary at all, um, I think is is a uh, is one of the things that we can bring to to the experience of something like a vigil um, that that uh, is just not available for sighted people. That you know the the um, the earliest history is that all of those long passages were to be memorized because they were to be spoken in the dark. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Peter, thank you very much for your call, sir. Uh Thank you. Always appreciate hearing from you and thanks for tuning in. Mr. Rick, anyone else? God, I was laughing. (laughs) Don't hit the, what the lever twice. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Peter, for that. That was incredibly funny. Uh, area code five hundred one, please. Area code five hundred one. Oh. Okay. Can you hear me? We can. No, this is not. This is not Sandy. <laughs> that leaves only one other person with a five hundred one. I wonder who that could be. How are you? It's are you Teresa. doing well? Hey, Teresa. Yes, I'm doing. I'm doing well. Um, yeah, Easter is coming, but it I is coming. did not request. Yeah, I did not request any time off. I should have. I I find it very very sad though that you know when I was coming up, Good Friday was considered. You know, a lot of times school let out. Now, when I got older, we we had class for half a day on that Friday, but then we um, left at lunchtime. It was called Parents' Day, and um, yeah. most the, the chorus. Go ahead. Most of the most of the schools that I know of, you, you had Good Friday off, so I'm surprised that you had guys ended up having to stay there half a day. Right. Anyway. Well, we. Um, you know, when I first um, got there, we did we left on that Thursday. But um, right as I got older, we were having class on Friday, and um, but uh, even when we got out on Thursday, we would have a program, and it, it was known as a Parents' Day program. And um, if people's if the students' parents could make it, they did. If they couldn't, well, you know, they just didn't. My parents, my mother, finally came to Parents' Day. The year I graduate, you know, thank you nice. very much, Mom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, all these other years I wanted her to come, you know, because we could. Uh, the parents got, a, you know, they gave them lunch. Nice. But, um, she only waited till she only did it when I was a senior. Of course, it took me to write to her and tell her that, you know, we we were having a um, program in the morning. You know, the choir mm-hmm. and the band would be singing and playing, and then, and they did a few other things in the program too. 
Like in fact, um, some of the uh, female students in home in the home ec classes, um, they put on a fashion show. And so while we were oh, playing cool. Evergreen, while we were playing Evergreen, the band, um, you know, uh-huh. the Barbara Streisand song, uh, yep. the uh, young ladies that were in the fashion show uh, were parading across the stage, and they would announce them and say what they were wearing and everything. Uh-huh. Uh, but I couldn't do both. I couldn't be in the band and be in the fashion show. So I was in the band. Nice. What what um, instrument did you play? Yeah. I played a clarinet. Nice, Miss Teresa. That's excellent. And I I loved it. I sure did. Uh-huh. Um my family, uh when we would get to when class would let out on Thursday, uh-huh. we would go to New Jersey. We lived in West Virginia and we would go to New Jersey um for about three or four years straight we went to New Jersey. And I always looked forward to going to New Jersey for Easter. I thought it was fun. One year, it got up into the 90s, though. I mean, I couldn't believe that, but it was up in the 90s on Easter Sunday. And um, needless to say, we were hot because nobody was prepared for summer-like weather in April. Gotcha. And And I bet the church was hot, too. Um. I think it was. I can't remember, but I think it was. It might have had air conditioning by that time. But um, my dad liked going. He was from there. So, you know, for him, going to his um, the church where he grew up in was kind of like a home going, you know, on Easter to be, you know, where his family was on Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then we would go to my um, grand, my grand, my one aunt never moved out of the house with that her parents lived in even after oh. she married they all lived under that same roof believe I, it or not and nice so they yeah they uh would prepare dinner and we um had good food to eat and everything but they were um we were catholic but they were of the eastern right uh tradition nice and so on the day before um Easter Sunday, Holy Saturday, they would have what was called a blessing of the Easter baskets. And so you brought a big food basket, you know, with all your, uh-huh. what you would have for dinner, not your kids' candy, but, you know, the real, the important stuff. And the priest would bless the baskets. That's actually and very I cool. That, <clears throat> I yep. thought that was pretty neat. Yep. But I remember once uh, um, going there, I was in second grade, um, going to, um, we did the blessing of the basket and then um that sunday we had dinner and then my one aunt she loved it when all the kids were around i mean she just went Uh out of her way and we had an easter egg hunt afterwards and Uh so that was cool now any 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 special kinds of dishes that you used to get at at easter that others may not know about there was this kind of egg pastry thing i cannot Uh quite describe it it was like it was boiled you know the the white was boiled you know the egg white part was boiled right. i don't remember if there was a yolk in there or not it was kind of an egg pastry thing I, nice and i can't quite say what it was it's been years since i've had mm-hmm. easter dinner with my grandparents you know they're all go- they're gone my aunt well both of my dad's sisters are gone he's gone too and so you know I wish I had paid more attention to some of those traditions when I was younger. That's excellent. Miss Teresa, thank you so much for your call. 
We very You're much welcome. appreciate glad it. To, glad to be on Tuesday Topics. I read your email. Well, thank <laughs> and you. you said, Please be on the Zoom call. I sure did. Glad to have you. Thank you, Ms. Teresa. Oh, well, certainly. And best to everyone in Arkansas. Oh, sure. I'll try to do that. Please do. <laughs> Mr. Rick? Jane, please. Hey, Miss Jane. Hello. I finally Hi. got here. We are in the process of moving, and I don't want to talk about it today. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'll just, I want to talk about Easter. Mm -hmm. Two memories. My twin and I were maybe eight, maybe. Mm -hmm. We got to church late. It was a big church, so we had to go up, up, up the stairs to the balcony, and it got hot. And there we were in our beautiful hats with our little straw basket purses and white gloves mm -hmm. in our organdy dresses and our Mary Jane patent leather shoes. And it got hotter and we couldn't see anything and we could hardly hear. And pretty soon, one of the two of us, the twins, saw mm -hmm. something. And it would have been my sister, Mary Lee. I will forever and blame her for this one. <laughs> mother, and she goes, mother, mother, there's something. It looks like an Easter egg. It's red. And Jane, <laughs> where, where? Mary Lee, I want to see. Where? Shh, 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 says mother. Grab hands, does mother. We wiggled and pinched and pulled. But I want to see it. And his head got redder and redder <laughs> and she tried to apologize to him but that man flew away as soon <laughs> as it was legally ex you know <laughs> anyway that's one memory i have mm -hmm. we've always dressed up for easter yep. it was our way of saying yes this is a unique and special day and Singing was always a part of it. Um, not so, well in my family as they went to church at various times in various churches, but more for me, more for me to make I, up songs. And um, I'm going to sing you one verse of my song about Easter. Very good. The stones have rolled away. They carried all the gloom. The stones have rolled away. Now there's light in each room. You ask me why I'm happy. You ask why I feel glad. The stones rolled away and I'm not mad. And then as I go walking and I sing that, I think about the stones in my own life. The stones of doubt and worry have rolled away. The stones of joy and peace are here to stay. You ask me why I'm happy, and so on and so on. So that's a song I love to celebrate Easter with. Anyway, I'll listen now. It's good to be here. Miss Jane, thank you so much. We appreciate your call. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Mr. Rick, anyone uh, else? No, nobody else at the moment, Paul. Oh. So are there any special... Uh, traditions in the Rick household for Easter, sir? Well, with two kids, we, uh, you know, we always did an Easter egg hunt with the kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, but when I was a kid, you know, I was an altar boy. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, what was it? Holy Saturday, I think, was the the washing of the feet. Yes. Uh, and uh, I, I, you know, I hated that because the priest's feet stunk. Uh, <laughs> but, you got but, to wash them anyway. Yeah, we got to wash them anyways. But um, no, it was, uh, you know, they used to give us an Easter basket every year. And of course, you know, the Easter basket had that fake um, hay in the bottom. And right. There was always, um, you know, jelly beans. And nobody's talked about jelly beans today. Uh, they didn't, love, but you're right. I, I, I love that peep story, by the way. Uh, that, that, that was a great story. I've always tried to figure out what the hell to, what the hell to do with those things. Now I'm going to go buy some and put them in the, in the microwave. I, I think we all should do that. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the, you know, there are some Easter traditions that could really go away. Do you remember the? <clears throat> there are these little tiny hard candies that people used to give out for Easter, like like the Easter hearts or whatever they are. Yeah, those were Valentine's Day. I thought. Yeah, but the, 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 I used to get them in Easter baskets too. Didn't matter. I hated them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but but the. Uh, <clears throat> You know, the back then I hated the black jelly beans, right? So we, yeah. we were, and there was always somebody in the house though that loved the black jelly beans. And, <laughs> and now, if if we had jelly beans, I'd be eating the black ones. So uh, that, I, there, there's one kind of jelly bean, and of course, I couldn't see what color darn things were, so I always seem to get them that taste just like soap. <laughs> and then there was the advent of the jelly bellies you know yes mm. yes and 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 then there are the the, the rabbits that that are that that are made like gumdrops oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. spongy bunnies yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> jane i re jane i really liked your song that was very very nice yeah uh, thank you so you're actually taken off for Texas, lady. Yes, sir. Um, Tom, my husband, Tom, and I fly this coming Tuesday. And um, then our son, Dan, will come down late in April to do the closing. Um, and he has still work things to finish up up here. So he will stay for a few days at the closing and we will unload every pod. Wow. And then he and then he will run away and come back to Minnesota to finish up up here. And Vincent, our grand, one of our grandsons, will stay with us, and we'll try to get as much unpacked as we can for the whole house. So how we'll cool see. is that? I'm 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 excited for you. It's going to be fun. Me too. Me too. To get, it's yeah to get uh, it. It's a hard venture to leave here. Uh -huh. um, when we first came back up here in order to be closer to family, I didn't want to come. And it was very hard for me emotionally because I loved the Texas landscape and the Texas weather. Um, and I will duke it out with the political powers that I don't like. But that's another story. <laughs> and I know the numbers to call to say I don't like what you're doing or well, that's I do a good like thing. it. Yes, yep. it's what you do. But we look forward to being back. Um, uh, we won't be very close to where we used to live, but we all know how to find each other. So 
Well, that's excellent. And 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 being near San Antonio is not bad. No, no, it's better than being more rural. I mean, in terms of you know how diverse the population will appear to be. It is. Thank you, Miss Jane. We appreciate it. I'll be back next Tuesday, the Lord willing. Well, I don't know because next Tuesday is the day we fly, so I probably yeah. Well, we'll see. We're going to be. We're going to be talking about voting, so we'll see. Oh, I think I have to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Miss Jay, we'll talk soon. Later, later. Yep. Yeah, it was funny when I when I logged into the computer this morning, logged into email. First thing I saw was um, an email from um, Pat that said, "No Tuesday topics tonight." <laughs> 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 I, I think you broke his heart because I guess he was he was expecting to be on Tuesday topics tonight with the voting task force or something. So, well, I'm, no, but- I'm, I'm I'm glad I read the email because otherwise I would have been, you know, just oh, that all, all day long thinking there was no Tuesday topics. You know, so so on on the um, next week, in fact, will be the voting task force and. Um, so we are we are looking forward to that. We'll we'll actually talk a little more about that. <clears throat> um, I don't think I don't think we have any calls at this point, right, Mister Rick? No, we do not. No. Very good. No. So we are going to, for the first time in ACB, be doing a hybrid convention. And it's going to be interesting to talk with the voting task force to see exactly how that's going to work out. Uh, what are what are the approaches that we're going to take to ensure that the people who are there can vote effectively, and the people who are sitting at home who have not ventured to Omaha uh, can can effectively manage to cast their ballots in the various ways that they can. And we'll be talking about what I'm calling an extended convention, which is which is really kind of strange and different. We will be explaining during Tuesday Topics next week why it's being done and how it'll work and what we will do with it and what other folks can do with it. So I think that'll be exciting. And I think there'll be four or five uh, members of the of the voting task force on board, and we'll we will, as we always do on Tuesday topics, explore both the the pros and the cons of the new system, and we will invite you to to make comments and perhaps make suggestions on uh, some of the ways that you think we can actually make the system work more effectively and better. Um, so. This evening, I think we've had a kind of a varied show. It, 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 it has been fascinating to me to hear about some of the traditions that our, that our members have lived through in their lives and have lived through, for the most part, as blind people. Um, I, I think experiencing things as a blind person is very different from experiencing things as a sighted person. One of the things that you might have noticed tonight is how often we heard about the sound of music and the smell of food and uh, the taste of food and the feeling of togetherness. But all of none of the things that we, that we heard were about 
what things look like. Because for the most part, we experience things um, not not by what we see, but particularly those of us who are totally blind, experience things in what the other senses are doing. So what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, um, it's uh, it and and it it really creates an entirely different sense of uh, of what these things are and of and and of how we can perceive them um it, it's interesting i have found that that there are so many books that are written quote by blind people um which actually appear to describe what things seem like as seen and it seems to me that um that you can tell that those are the parts of those books that are actually written by ghostwriters who are helping those folks to write their, the, the stuff. Because um, those of us who are blind should really honor and value the culture that, that we had demonstrated to us so often tonight. And that culture says it's perfectly okay to describe events without being able to describe what they look like, but instead describing all the other senses that are involved in experiencing those things. So that's one of the things that I'm taking away from the stuff that we described this evening. So before we leave these two or three topics or even four topics that we discussed tonight, anything that either of you two would like to add? You two being Larry and me? Yep. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, you got me thinking there about the, um, you know, what, what you just said about, um, how things are described in the senses and all of that. And, um, something, and, and it's interesting that you said that, but something that I was wondering about the other day, and I, I'm not even sure why this, this came in my head, but, you know, the, uh, I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about people that have been blind since birth versus people mm -hmm. that have had some vision. And, um, you know, the, we, we value as blind people reading so much and, um, so much of what's in books that we read are, is the description of things in visual terms, right? Yes. And, and it, it, it was just, I, I was sitting there just trying to, to contemplate, you know, how a, a person blind from birth, uh, processes that, um, uh, and, and, you know, and, and I guess I've always had this notion that, that, you know, that there is, um, some meaning in that for, um, you know, for people that have been, been blind since birth of, of what those things mean, but, but the meanings may change person to person. Right. Um, so I, I don't know if I did a very good job explaining myself there. But. Oh, I think you did. The, you know, the, the example that I've given on this program a couple of times is, is um, reading made me dislike the color yellow, even though it apparently yeah. looks quite good on me. Yeah, um, yeah, but but that's that's exactly what you're talking about. Um, 
descriptions of what things are like visually um, affect the way that people who can't see evaluate things like colors. So it's it's fascinating. Yeah. Actually. Now, now to play out your point, Paul, are there any blind authors that articulate things solely in the in the sense of of experiencing it as a blind person? I think there are lots of them. Um, we should have asked Diana because she is she is a published author, and and we also have uh, a poet who's on. Maybe we'll do a show um, that that tries to feature some blind authors and ask how how differently they write. And it may be that one of the things we'll find out, because it certainly has been true in some of the things that I've written, it may be that what you do is you do something you're probably not very good at, which is you describe how things look because you perceive that that's an inherent part of what a story ought to include. And so whether whether you can do it effectively or whether you've ever seen it or not, you still feel like you're required to include it. So it might be fun on one yeah. of our programs to ask authors whether they feel that compulsion to, um, to include what things look like and what they write. And you also said that, you know, you talked about ghostwriters. I, I bet mm -hmm. you there, there isn't as much of that ghostwriting element as, as you might think. Um, but they, that would be fascinating to explore with some authors. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a new book that's, that's just come out that I have not read yet, but <clears throat> I noticed it on Bard. There was a ghost-written book uh, written about a guy who grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, and we, we, we did his book as, as one book, one ACB. And, and this book was definitely ghost written it was it was actually not written by the right. blind person at all but right. that blind person has now published a book which i have not read and i'm going to be fascinated to read the two books and compare them oh absolutely yeah. i think i think it's it's going to be fascinating just to see exactly what happens yeah no absolutely well, I'm going to go buy myself some peeps. I don't know about you, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's 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 almost getting to the point where one can do that. Uh, <laughs> all of my grandchildren are too old for Easter egg hunts now. I think the last the last big one we held at my house was, I guess, what four or five years ago. But it was fun. Yeah, so and my, we my kids, baskets. My, my kids didn't want candy in their Easter eggs. They wanted money. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, what, what we did was you put money in, in what were universally regarded as the bad ones. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and then there'd be money in the good ones. And, and we, we occasionally used um, Anthony dollars. So, so it was exciting. People thought people who got the dollars really thought they'd scored and they had. <laughs> That's great. So, That's great. ladies and gentlemen, as I as I said earlier, next week on Tuesday topics, we're going to be discussing the uh, the joys of voting at uh, the next ACB convention and what an extended convention looks like and how it'll operate for various special interest affiliates and other folks. and And on the nineteenth, I think we're going to do this. Uh, 
potentially explosive program on uh, what kind of relationships are better, uh, relationships between two folks who are blind or relationships between a blind person and a sighted person. And does it matter if the guys are men or women? The blind one is a man or a woman? Or how does it play out? So look forward to that on the 19th. In the meantime, we'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for being here and good night.